Hi, this is Martha Davis from the Motels, and you're listening to 10 Temecula Entertainment Network. Moonbitten clouds pouring down rain, rush hour traffic burns through my brain. Watching your fly, thinking it was your fault. You came around once and showed I could have it. Well, here we go. Welcome to Chords, Vines, and Dines. I'm Tom Plant. I'm Kat Ellis. And I'm Gaya Norvell. Well, hi, folks. On a rainy day. On a rainy day in Southern California. Regardless of what Albert Hammond says, it does rain in Southern California. Thank and goodness. we welcome it. And we need it. We need it. Poor, poor Northern California, oh, though. They are just getting hammered. They really are. So uh, I've got a uh, really great show lined up. And did you know that this is National Hobby Month? Every day is a hobby for me. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. I'm always it's doing true. something. True. If your hobby is reading, uh, you're going to love our guest, Eileen St. Lauren. Eileen has just published a book called Good Life, Mississippi. She lives in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and as she told me, she lives a mile from James Taylor, and they have run into each other. I want to live a mile from James <laughs> Taylor. <laughs> I can see that already, Cat. So uh, she spends uh, most of her time in Chapel Hill, but she also has a place in Meridian, Mississippi. She grew up in a very rural Mississippi, but she'll, you'll hear her whole story, and uh, I love the book. I love her style. And uh, she's hoping that maybe someone will pick it up and make a movie or a miniseries out of it. And each chapter is kind of broken up into they can all stand on their own. So she said, be, be a perfect miniseries. So she's excited. Uh-huh. She's already started on book three, and she's only published one. So there's two, two. Number two is already done. Number three is in process. I wanted to say that that little snippet of music we had right after Martha Davis was our musical guest, Jason Mann. Yes. And that's a little snip out of his song, Eclipse. And we had a great visit with Jason, which we're going to share he with you. He is absolutely fantastic. A hardworking musician and just love him to pieces. And he happens to be the brother of a good friend of ours. Yes. Jennifer, Jennifer Mann. Mann. We love Jen. And her mom, Mary Ann. That's right. It's nice to have good friends. It's well, the best to have good friends. Like we all are here. Yep. Good friends and good... You you two know everybody on the planet. <laughs> Kat, Kat, We're working know, on it. Music and artists. Oh, and good friends and good wine. Chefs, and cheers. winemakers. Cheers. 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 Salute. Click, click. We'll have to take care of somebody's <laughs> empty glass here. Yeah, Eileen said she hoped that we would... Be drinking a fine wine uh, during her interview, and we are. We're drinking the Miros de Ribera. It is uh, a Spanish wine, and uh, it's a blend of Tempranillo, Merlot, and Cabernet. I think it's quite tasty. What do you What do you two think? I like it. I like it a lot. I pretty much like anything you guys sat in front of me. I'm, I'm good. We're we're educating her. We are. Yeah, <laughs> especially cats. All of cats treats. Um, somebody stop me. <laughs> Shall we go into our visit with Eileen? Yes, let's do that. Just delighted to be talking with Eileen St. Lauren, who has just published Good Life, Mississippi, and she describes herself as Southern Gothic fiction. And Eileen, I've just got to say, I'm in love with your style and your prose. Oh, thank you so much, 
Tom. I, I greatly appreciate that and your support. Uh, yes, I write this first book is Southern Gothic Literary Fiction, and um, I'm, I worked very hard on it for many years. And uh, so far, so good. And um, thank you for saying that. Well, it, it's evident that you worked hard on it. And when did you begin writing? What got you started? What was your little spark? What got me started was approximately 23 years ago. I won a writing contest with uh, Ray, the legendary, the late, now late legendary, Ray Charles Robinson, Ray Charles the singer, and I met him, and he inspired me, and I read him the first chapter, which is actually the last chapter of the book called Paradise, and um, read it to him, and he encouraged me to, to, to write. And so I actually wrote the book backwards. <laughs> okay. Well, however yeah. you wrote it, 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 it worked. And uh, how in the world did you wind up meeting Ray Charles? I won a writing contest. I submitted some material, and they chose me. Wow. And, that m- yeah. must have been a thrill. Yeah, it was great. He, he was very personable and very nice. And, you know, he's very humble. He struck me as very, very humble. And... um. He held my hand, took some pictures. He didn't take very many pictures with people. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, he did not. And so I have a lot of pictures with him. And, um, you know, my favorite one is where he's holding my hand and both our hands are just clasping, you know. And I, I um, greatly appreciate his encouragement. And when his nephew, who was his bodyguard at the time, read him uh, a little bit, you know, what I had won in the contest, you know, because, of course, you know, they didn't put it in Braille right away. Um, he said, she said that about me. She wrote that. And he said, yeah, she wrote that. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, he thought, I wrote something, you know. I mean, I just thought that was the neatest thing. Is I was in university in Nebraska and Lincoln. And um, I was really surprised. So they sent a limo for my husband and I and um, everything, gave us real nice treatment. And uh, so uh, it was really nice. That didn't mean very much. I mean, that, of course, that was very nice for a college student, absolutely, uh, of course. However, what meant a lot to me was meeting him and just, just sitting there with him. And it was ironic because we had on the same color jacket. <laughs> How <laughs> funny. How yeah. funny. It's very funny because I got mine at a salvage center in Mississippi for a little bit. <laughs> I don't think his come from a salvage center. And That's probably not. Gold. No, gold metallic. And I remember thinking we got the same jacket on. You know, and my husband oh. said you got you got the same jacket on as he does. You notice that? I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. That's too yeah. funny. Now well, I know you live in Chapel Hill, North Carolina now, but did you grow up in Mississippi? I did, and I also have a home in uh, Madison, Mississippi. Uh, we I divide my writing time between both places. So um, uh, I grew up, I was born in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. I was raised in Petal, a two-red-light town that now has three red lights because there's Oh, my Walmart. goodness. <laughs> yeah. Well, it may have wow. four, okay, because people are going to come after me and say, we got four. And it could even have five, but I do not think it has more than that, honestly. I don't. And it's called the Friendly City. And um, Hattiesburg was four miles over the bridge, over the bridge, over the river when it wasn't flooding. And uh, <laughs> that we went across the town, you know. And then the other way 
was uh, rural. Well, we were in rural too at the time, you know, in that era, and um, which were so-so Union, uh, Laurel, and Moselle were located. And that's where the novel My Good Life, Fictitional Town, comes in. It's somewhere in between that area. And then Myra begins her story in Meridian, Mississippi, as you will remember. And then she loses her entire family, and I won't give away too much of the book. Good. And then she moves away to uh, back. She moves to Good Life, where she meets and lives with her elderly grandparents, parents, the Davises, whom who she has never met. And she's twelve and a half almost. And then her her dream is to meet Ray Charles Robinson, Ray Charles, because her daddy, who is deaf and dumb. Virgil and Ray were in the a home together down in St. Augustine, Florida, because her daddy's deaf and dumb, but he can drive and he reads lips and he signs and he this and Ray was blind, so he used to drive Ray around. So they were best friends, and so he tells them stories, and Myra latches onto that. And about when they were in that home together, and that Ray made it out of the South and to Hollywood, whereas he made it on the road to nowhere. <laughs> he runs moonshine in a truck called the Rainbow because there's always a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow when you run moonshine. <laughs> you paint, you paint such a vivid picture, not only of of life in, in rural Mississippi. I mean, you can feel the heat, you can smell it, you can, but uh, the picture, the picture you paint of, uh, of Myra's dad is just uh, incredible. And the abuse he tolerated. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that is fiction actually. Now my daddy was none of that. My daddy could, (laughs) I don't know how much he could actually read and write, but I do know he could read the funny paper. Because we always <laughs> fought over it when it came, the paper. We he would look through it and everything. I don't know if he was reading the rest of it because I really, I really don't know that. And I know that would be hard for people to to imagine, not really knowing. But I mean, I just never thought it was important to ask as a child. Okay, and so right. uh, it wasn't necessary because I was taught to read and write when I was four, so I didn't need no help, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Where Myra is loosely based on you, am I correct? Um, very loosely, very loosely. Now, um, you know, I I think we're all Myra Boone is a part of all of us. You know, I've come mm-hmm. to realize doing interviews, and as I, I wrote the book, because like I said, I wrote it backwards because the first story that I wrote was Paradise, and it was published. And I actually dedicated that to Reynolds Price. I don't know if you were familiar with him. He was the in a wheelchair, the Duke Professor of English, and he wrote a lot of different books. And he and James Taylor, who is from here, and I live a mile from the Taylor James Taylor Bridge, uh, they wrote the song Copper Line together. Of course, I know it well. Yeah, that song. And so James Taylor, Reynolds Price, and Ray Charles, I'm not making this up, they were in rehab together, in rehab together at Duke. <laughs> wow. Yeah, true story. Where um, um, James Taylor's daddy 
was a surgeon, if I'm not mistaken. I know he was a doctor. So none of that happened. I didn't realize that as a writer. I came to find all this out. So it's all loosely connected. The, the creek I write about in uh, Good Life in the area is called Taylor Creek, and it's named after James Taylor because I used to listen to his music while I was writing. And, I love it. Yeah, true story. I gave him uh, the first story one time I went to a concert of his in Omaha, Nebraska, and like to lost <laughs> my hearing for three days because I sat 20 feet from him where I could get him a copy of the story. And I'm sure he tossed it after I gave it to him, but I still gave it to him. And, there you um, go. <laughs> yeah. So I used to write him, and he'd write back on Instagram when I would mention Reynolds Price's name. Because he would say, wow, if Reynolds Price said that about you, you're something else. But, again, <laughs> you know, that, that you're on your own in this business, right? You know, you're Yes, you are. Own. Yeah. And all I met his stuff. brother Livingston many years ago, who's also a singer. And I remember uh, talking with him. I said, you know, you do have a similarity to your brother James in, in your sound. He said, Tom, there are worse things in life than being told you sound like James Taylor. Oh, no. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> And that's the truth. I agree with yeah. that. And, um, you know, everybody, who doesn't love him, right? I mean, who, who does not? I mean, maybe there's someone, but I don't know who doesn't love James Taylor. And who who didn't love Ray Charles, you know, exactly. maybe there's someone. And I think the reason they didn't love other people that I were my professors is because they didn't know them. <laughs> you know, they yeah. didn't know that those people, if they had known them, they might would have loved them. But, you know, a lot of people don't make it out of the South. Yeah, no, that's, that's the truth, and it's you know you certainly touch on uh, more than touch on on racial tensions and about how your your dad was uh, abused because they welcomed and not your dad but Myra's dad they welcomed yeah. uh, uh, African Americans into their home and and that wasn't something you did back then. Um, oh, interesting, no. I was in Birmingham, Alabama, a couple of years ago, and I went on a civil rights tour, and I I asked our host at the end, I said. Have things improved since the sixties? And he said, "Not really, no." Mm-mm. Not in Birmingham. Um, no, not too much. And um, you know, in the South, they have, however, let's just blanket it, this whole thing where we won't get too much, cause any trouble. And <laughs> where um, <laughs> the world, the world has not improved. There's more people in it, but the whole world hasn't improved. I don't think. Now, that, that they want to think that they have, but I don't think so. I always yeah. tell my husband, it's just more people. You know, I don't know if I'm right about that. I could be. It doesn't matter what I think, right? But, you know, my spoon doesn't know the color of the blood in her veins, you know. Hello, no. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's, go ahead. She's beat down for that, and she feels like, hey, I'm nobody, you know? It's and, just heartbreaking. Yeah, and she really feels sad, and I witnessed their segregation myself. I was um, uh, young. However, I remember, and some things you remember, you know? Some things you don't remember, like what you had for supper last night, but if you witness segregation or you witness uh, bad things, you always are really good things. You remember how people make you feel and if they make you cry, you know. And so we had, we're had 
segregation in the 60s, you know. And so they took us out of the public schools and made us stay home a while. Then they sent us to, quote, Christian, end quote, school, right? Right. So then they bust some African-Americans, blacks at the time is what you, you were called. They were called. Mm -hmm. People were called. Um, there. So there was a girl sitting in front of me, and I'm still in contact with her today. She found me on Facebook and said, I wondered what happened to you. You were always so nice to me. I said, oh, that's so nice of you. And I sent her a story that I had written. It was inspired by her, but I didn't hear back from her. But she still writes me, but I just don't know if she read it or not. And so having said that, she was sitting in front of me, and I was uh, young. I wasn't even in the fourth grade, I don't think. And so she fell asleep. And I, the teacher come by and said, get up, get up, wake yourself up. And then she whopped her on the back with a paddle. Back then they used mm. the board paddle. Right. He whopped her a good one. And she jumped mm. up. He scared her. And it broke my heart, right? And if she whopped her again. And she sat up, you know, and she was a big girl. And I thought, what the heck you want to hit her for? She probably hadn't had no rest at home. I know I hadn't. You know? <laughs> I mean, I know <laughs> I, I haven't. She probably hasn't, you know? Right. And going through a lot. Who knows, you know? And that's how I thought as a child. Then the girl didn't open her mouth. Nobody opened her mouth, but she didn't open her mouth. Now, today, somebody just come back at you, and then you probably would not, you would not walk out the room for hitting them on the back, right? You know, the person. Exactly. Like, yeah, they wouldn't walk out with, on their feet. They'd be carried out. So, uh. have, yeah, having said, sadly enough, I'm not making fun of them. I'm, I don't want people to think that. I'm just being frank. And so the girl didn't open her mouth, but I watched her, and it just killed me. Inside, it hurt me so bad. And then one tear, tears started coming out of one eye. Mm. That's what I was thinking. Mm. You just sat there and cried and took it, you know. And it, after that, my whole perspective changed. I thought, you sorry, low-down, dirty dog Christian hypocrite, you. And not every Christian's a hypocrite. They're good Christians. They're bad Christians. There's good sinners. There's bad, worse sinners. Satan sinner, we all reap what we sow, no matter what. And um, But it just broke my heart. This was at the Christian church. This was in the Yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. It's just hard to believe, but I know you're speaking the truth. Of course. The fellowship hall, even. And I went home and told my mama, right? Mama said, shh, don't say nothing, don't mm -hmm. say nothing. Yeah. They'll come yeah. out here, they'll here, you know? And uh, so you couldn't say nothing. And um, that, that was, her name's Patricia. I don't know if she remembers that. And she might. Sometimes people blot things out. But she's one of the reasons, honestly. I, I, I wrote some of the things I wrote, you know, it's because I always thought of her when I sat down to write. Not always, but most always. I remember that moment because I remember that feeling of just hurt. It was so painful for me to see mm. her. She didn't deserve that, you know. So that's what I witnessed as far as segregation. I did see some right. clans people, a few clans people dressed up hiding here and there. And um, I never, that I recall, saw a cross burning, but was threatened with them. I've heard family members being threatened with them to come out to your yard and burn out to where you live uh, and burn a in your yard. Uh, Seriously. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. True story. And I mean, you wouldn't think that, you know, but 
I mean, I, I sometimes I wonder, you know, did they think I don't remember this? But those people are all dead and in the ground, you know, because they didn't cremate back sure. anyway. And so I don't have to worry about them coming after me anymore, and I don't say who it was. So I don't have to worry about any of that. So I, I don't have to have, you know, whatever. But, you know, of course, there are new people, I'm sure, out there that are whatever. But uh, it's well, just sad. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Talking too much. My, no, you're not at all. You're, my, my guest is Eileen St. Lauren, and this is your first full-length uh, book. Am I correct? Good Life, Mississippi? Yes, it is. Yes, it it's, is. Eileen, it's brilliant, and I can't recommend it more highly to our, our listeners. And uh, I, I just wish you nothing but, but the best with it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I appreciate you having me, and you bless you, and thank you for reading it. And, and you're working it. on the next one, right? I am. I have finished the second one, actually. And I'm holding on to it, though, because I'm hoping for a movie or a series. And because each chapter in the book and in the next book that follows it, uh, the next book's written by Myra Boone. And well, I'll about her neighbors. Yeah. It and would I'm make hoping, a wonderful movie. Oh, thank you. And I'm hoping that, you know, the right person will hear about it or pick it up somewhere and, and offer, uh, you know, something, anything would be good. Because I think the reason why is because it can reach more people. See? Yes, indeed. Yeah, the message can reach more people, and um, that that's why. Because you know, I I I don't know any other way to reach people. Because I've been told people don't read, but you know, I don't know if they do or not. You know, I think some people read, but um, but they watch TV and they watch movies. You know, Netflix and stuff and. It would make a good series because I wrote each chapter, if you noticed, what, now that you'll continue to read on. And in the next book, too, is it a standalone. It can stand by itself anywhere, and it can be an uh, episode, a 30-minute Absolutely. Episode. Yeah. Yeah. Eileen, and, thank uh, you so much for your time. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you having me. And um, have a very long and happy life. Thank you. You, too, and we'll stay in touch, okay? Yes, thank you. Bless you, Eileen. Bless you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi, this is Kelly from Lifetime Rocker, and you are listening to Chords and Vines on the new Tim Temecula Entertainment Network. Thanks, Kelly. And uh, since we last saw each other, it's become Chords, Vines, and Dines. We've added the dining element. And wasn't that fun visiting with uh, Eileen? It was. I love her. Yeah, she's a, a true Southern belle. Yes, she is. That accent, I just love that. But uh, yeah, we had a really nice visit, and she's so excited about her book, and uh, I am too. And I really encourage our listeners to look. You can find it on Amazon. It's called Good Life, Mississippi, and it's a great read. Think of uh, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, that kind of. And it really paints just vivid pictures of growing up in rural Mississippi and what life was like back then in the 50s and 60s. I know. Just listening to her interview, I can already picture it. Yeah. Incredible. Absolutely wonderful. And who, what's, who's our author next week? We're going to talk with Kate Rounds, who's just published a book called Cat Boat Road. And uh, I, I, I've started reading it, and she's a wonderful writer. But uh, I think you'll get a chuckle out of this. It's described as Holden Caulfield from Catcher in the Rye meets Mrs. Robinson, except Holden <laughs> Caulfield is a, a teenage lesbian. 
that's gonna be that's an interesting read right so there. This Bro. young young girl falls in love with her mom's best friend. It's uh, right with the times. Yep. Wow. Cat Boat Road by Kate Rounds. Kate will be our guest on next week's Chords, Vines, and Dines. I'm looking forward to. It. I love that you're adding in authors. Yeah, and I'm, we're gonna I'm gonna try and do them uh, at least a couple times a month and maybe weekly if I can round them up. I uh, actually have a friend up in Hammett, a gentleman named Jerry, who's uh, written a book called uh, Goodnight, Mr. Emerson. And uh, I think uh, he'd be happy to be on, and he'd be fun to talk with. We have a local writer out here, Pamela Bowen. That's true. Yeah, we should get Pamela on. Yes, we're going to get her on. We had her on the show once before because she was working on some lyrics with um, with one of our local musicians. And so this time we could have her on as a writer. Let's do it. Yeah. I will contact her. And let's talk, let's talk about the vines part of chords, vines and dines. And uh, once in a while I get asked, is there a wine that goes with everything? And there is. Any guesses? Kat, what would that be? What wine goes with everything? Why, Chardonnay? Nope. <laughs> Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir. I know the answer, <laughs> so I don't get to play. Rose. I'm disqualified. Oh, that's right. I didn't even think of... I mean, I never think to to order a rosé or the only time I drink even try rosé is when I'm wine tasting. Maybe next week I'll bring a bottle of uh, Messina Hoff's rosé <gasps> from oh, Texas. Oh, yes, yes, and, yes. And uh, oh, they do such a great job. Anyway, rosé, I'll give you rosé in a nutshell. Gia, would you like to know how rosé is made? I do. Rosé is made from red wine. So if you see a white Zinfandel, that's made from the red Zinfandel grape. And what they do is they take the grape, they crush it, they leave the juice in contact with the skins, which is where they get, the wine gets all the color. If you crush a red wine grape, you're going to get something that looks like a white wine. It's clear. And it's not until the juice has stayed in contact with the skins that it develops the color. So with the rosé, they take the skins off after either a few hours or a day or two. So they just get that blush, that little pink hue. And uh, if they were to leave the skins in contact for a few weeks, you would have a red wine. Well, I can totally relate to that because I opened up my jacuzzi the other day and hadn't used it in a while. And there'd been leaves in there. Mm. <laughs> and the color from the leaves had... Uh, I, 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 why is the jacuzzi looking red? And it was the color from the leaves. So I guess it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. So a rosé uh, possesses the characteristics of both white and red wines. So its ability to complement a wide range of foods is almost unmatched. Wow. So there's today's wine tip for you. Rosé goes with nearly anything. With nearly everything. And if not, then I'm going to go to a Chardonnay or a Pinot Noir. Well, there you go. What <laughs> I'll about... drink anything you guys put in front of me. It's okay. <laughs> we, we know. <laughs> We've seen. <laughs> wine killers. Are there foods that you should absolutely not uh, eat while you're enjoying wine? Yes. Number one, and I don't care whether I have wine or not, I'm not eating this stuff, asparagus. Oh, I love asparagus. (laughs) Me too. Asparagus makes it onto every list of foods that are difficult to pair with wine. I could see that. Yeah. Unless I make uh, asparagus soup, I put a little white wine in it. And it makes your pee smell. Oh, it does not. (laughs) I mean, I've heard that, but I don't know. I haven't put my nose right in it to let you know, but... I have not noticed that. Vinaigrette. While vinaigrette dressing livens up salads, it slays most wines. That vinegar does not go with wine at all. I could say that. Sushi is a very tricky food to pair with wine. 
Well, just, I don't eat sushi. Anyway. Okay, well, there you go. So. Well, I do. Blue um, cheese. And I would disagree with that. I think that if you have a nice oh. Gewürztraminer or a Riesling, a sweet wine, it's going to make the sweet wine less sweet, and it's going to cut the edge of the blue cheese. Oh. So that's a... Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. Or maybe even a port. A port would be... Uh, again, people who say they don't like port, if I were to present port to you with a Gorgonzola or a blue cheese, you might go, wow. Now I, I can, you've wowed me a few times yeah. like that, so yeah. Uh, barbecue sauce, no. That's not going to work with any wine. Artichokes. Artichokes are funny because they do have an aftertaste that... Well, it kind of goes with asparagus. Yeah, and uh, chocolate. And again, I would disagree. I, I, I think disagree. chocolate with port, chocolate with uh, Cabernet or Merlot, yeah, that's... That's a winner. So anyway, that's just a couple of little wine tips for today. And spicy food, you suggest? Oh, yeah. Sweet wine. Absolutely. A Gewürztraminer? Yeah. I can never say that. (laughs) Or Riesling? Yeah. Perfect. Or even a Moscato. Uh, I'm thinking we need to go for an Indian food sometime soon. Let's do that. All in favor of that. I love Indian. I can make some Indian food. I've made some really good Indian food. Our friends Kim and Brian. Uh, yes. Making amazing Indian food. Yes. We should get them on the show. Well, let's see. See if she wants to make some Indian food and we go raid her house. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. Should we uh, get into our next guest? Our next guest, Jason Mann. What can I say about Jason? He is just absolutely incredible singer, songwriter, and he hasn't been playing like. It wasn't his childhood dream, but I like, well, he can explain it all to how he got into playing and making some money at it. Hard worker. He is a busy man. He is. M-A-N-N. M-A-N-N. Jason Mann. So let's go on into Jason. All right. This is Kat with Chords, Vines, and Dines, and I'm here with Tom and Gaya. Hello, hello. And we are interviewing Jason Mann, who... Hi, guys. Hi, Jason. I know you. For, I mean, I've seen you perform several times, and you're just absolutely amazing and incredible. And I'm so glad you could be on our show. Thank you. Thank you, Kat, for having me. So, Jason, um, we're on your website, and we saw that you are originally from Connecticut. That's correct. When did you move out? And well, let's go back. Let's let's start with Connecticut. Did you decide then you were going to be a musician? Is that when it all happened? No, um, funny story, actually. Um, so I started playing guitar in 2005. Um, it was for my birthday, and I told my then fiance and then my sister and my mother, who you both know, that I wanted a guitar, and apparently they all didn't talk much because I got three guitars. <laughs> and ever since, ever since that day, I just never put the guitar down, and at one point, probably four or five years into me playing guitar i realized i could i could possibly do this for a living very cool did you have any training or do you teach yourself youtube youtube there you go the great teacher it's a wonderful thing you can learn anything on youtube can't you 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 absolutely can i heard a lot of people are referring to youtube to learn things yes everything well that's very cool so now, do you write music as well? Or are you doing covers? Well, uh, most of my bread and butter is covers, but I did recently kind of fulfill my creative muse. Uh, I had a uh, a singer who I met who was from who was from Las Vegas, and before COVID, we were doing a pink cover band like a tribute, and then COVID came and the whole thing kind of fell apart. But she's a very uh, 
very deep kind of writer, very good writer. She's a very good hook writer. So one day we said, you know, during COVID or, or kind of when COVID was, was wrapping up, we said, let's get together and see if we can maybe, you know, put some of these originals to music. And our first, I think our first meeting, we came, we ended up with 10 songs and I think eight of them were solid. Wow, that's good. That's yeah, really so it, good. It, it was it was it was really fulfilled kind of my creative my creative needs as a musician. So tell me what what, what was there a specific song or a, uh, a that you liked that this particular writer wrote that that that, that, that struck with your heart that that made you feel like like it was almost written for you or about you. Well, I mean, she's she's kind of a um, I don't know the word, but when when I when I read her lyrics, I hear music. So the first one that she wrote that I put music to was a song called Fake It. And it's basically about all the bullshit that you have to put out to the world to convince them that, you know, you got it all together when you don't. Right. We actually just we put out a video for it too. It's it's actually pretty a pretty fun video. That would be an um, awesome video and, and very true to the world today. I love it. Right, I'll make sure you guys get a get uh, some like I'll but Chad, I'll, I'll send you some links to the videos we put out. When Wonderful, I'm done. thank you. Yeah, we were just we were um, just listening to the, in the year twenty five twenty five uh, that was written in the nineteen sixties and how interesting that it it correlates with today. So that it, it's it's fascinating. Yeah, no, I agree. So we we uh, we had a, a really good writing relationship. Very very creative, very open, very easy to exchange ideas. And uh, in January of this last year, in 2022, we went to uh, Nashville and put down a six song EP, and we're drip releasing it. How exciting! I I, can't, I cannot wait to hear it. Well, there had to be an energy yeah. in Nashville. There's something about Nashville that just 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 shouts volumes of 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 making it happen. It, we really had a good trip. I mean, it was mostly in the studio, but we had we had I think one day free, and we scheduled uh, a writers round. We didn't play; we just went to to listen. And the amount of talent, I mean, it's like distilled talent. There's there's people on stage, and they're like, "Yeah, I just wrote this," and Garth Brooks just bought this song. Wow. But the person who's pl- the person who's playing it is just amazing, just uh, like jaw dropping. Yeah, that that happens with I think in, in almost all of the entertainment industry. Sometimes it's the people behind the scenes that are really the star and that the the amazing talent. Oh, definitely. I think it's just because of the landscape of the music industry. It's just easier to sell your songs, which I mean you can argue all day long whether that's good or bad, but. I mean, they're they're making it, so that's good for them. I think I've seen the uh, a video of, of some of your music with this. Uh, it's a lady, right? What was her yes. name? Uh, Lauren. Yeah, there was one. The the song "Faking It." We actually did in her backyard. She has oh, a wow. stage in her backyard. She invited a bunch of friends and just we just did it all in one day. Oh, that was a great video, and she's she's got a great voice. Oh, she's incredible. Yeah. And, uh, during COVID, we were doing, uh, like I said, I met her with our Pink Tribute. During COVID, she did a lot of work with her vocal coach. And just, I mean, the difference was night and day. She was mm. good before. She was a, She's 
I, I dare say she's a great singer now. Oh, yeah, she was incredible that I saw, and I thought, boy, you should be doing more stuff with her, not that you need to, but, God, the two of you together was just totally dynamic. It was great. Yeah, we, 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 had, we had a really good time. We had a really good, uh, a really good dynamic together. Yeah. And I, I've heard you do uh, upwards of 150 gigs a year. You're a busy man. Yep, from time to time. I mean, COVID hit, and obviously that, that put a wrench in everybody's schedule. Um, but I think the most I've done is, like, I think, like 180. And that was my busiest year. And I don't need to do that again. Uh, I'm happy with, you know, 100, 120 is good for me. Keeps me busy. Keeps me out of trouble. I actually have one friend who is who has done over 365 mm. gigs in one year. Mm. Jesus. I know. <laughs> well, what are you, are, no you working, no what are you working for? I mean, are you working to enjoy your life or what's happening here? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he's still performing, so it's, you know. Wow. I don't think he's doing wow. that many, but he's still doing quite a bit, so. What's next for you, Jason? Jason, I'm sorry, Jason. Uh, I'm actually uh, putting together on the wedding side of my business, I'm, I'm packaging a, um, a ceremony, a cocktail hour, a DJ, the whole thing for the 2023. So that's, I'm, I'm, that's where I'm taking my business for the next level. As far as creatively, I don't know. I honestly don't know at this point. Creativity comes from uh, from uh, the magic of the stars, and, and, and it hits at it, 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 uh, unusual times, and when you're not looking, and all of that. So, so that'll all come along. But it sounds like you got a great path in front of you, and you're 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 gonna truck right down it and do great. I'm impressed. Yeah, 20, 2023, 2023 should be a very interesting year. Yes, it should. I agree. <laughs> so where are you playing next? Um, I am playing, believe it or not, um, a, a booking service of a couple of buddies of mine landed the contract with Black Angus, the steakhouse. <laughs> cool. Wow. And they landed with all of them. And there's more than you think in Southern California. So I'm playing, uh, I think I'm playing in Temecula on Friday. Yeah, I think there is one out here. I haven't there been here one, in a yeah. while. But... On Rancho Cal and uh, Inez. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the one. Yep. That's the one. I'm playing there from uh, 710. Now you also, you know, you, you got yourself booked as a solo and a duo and, and a trio. But I saw that you were also with another band. Um I can't remember their name, but you guys were all wearing the, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, like, the, the nautical theme that you were wearing. Oh, a... yeah, that was uh, Captain Jay and the Drive Crew. That was a yacht rock band. <laughs> and you opened and for Stryper. That was, something, that was something we started right as COVID hit, and then obviously all the shows got canceled. Right. Which was nice, because it gave me a chance to really, I, I love playing piano as well. You've never seen me play piano, but... Um, a lot of those musicians who were who were doing those songs, that yacht rock era songs, uh, were incredible musicians. Right. So me getting the chance to really kind of bring my piano playing to another level uh, was something that really really fired me up. Yeah, you kind of looked like sort of like a Daryl Dragon there in that <laughs> playing. <laughs> if you know who Daryl Dragon was, Captain Tennille. Captain yeah, hopefully, Tennille. Hopefully, hopefully, Hopefully history forgets that one quickly. Yes. <laughs> you look too young for that, though. You probably weren't born when they were. <laughs> oh, dar darling, I just turned 50. I just turned 50 last year, so. Well, 
You sure don't look it from your videos, that's for sure. You look fantastic, and it looks like you have a lot of fun out there, which I think is the main thing, and the most important thing is to enjoy life. So, looks like you're having well, fun. Thank, thank you so much, and Photoshop is everybody's yeah. friend. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about opening for Striper. Oh, that was surreal. So, um, I'm up in Oregon. My dad lives in Oregon uh, with my mother-in-law, and we're sitting at Sushi, and my buddy Rodney Elliott calls me, and he goes, uh, hey, you want to sit down for this? <laughs> so Striper just picked my trio video, and this is a corporate trio video. We're all wearing ties yeah. and shirts, and it's all kind of toned down. They're like, these guys handpicked you to open for them in Riverside. Wow. And I was like, okay. I mean, I remember Striper from MTV when MTV first started, and these guys were, you know, 777 super christian rock and just tearing it up and we met these guys and these are the most decent dudes you will ever want to meet wow they were so nice and uh, uh the riverside riverside auditorium or coliseum i'm not sure how they call it the staff there was so great there was there was no not one bad thing about that show it was the only bad thing is that our opening spot spot was only 30 minutes it was so short yeah. And it could have gone for hours, went right? like that, you know? Were you the only opener? We were the only opener, yeah. Yeah, you should have got at least 45. I mean, that's usually a standard thing is 45 or something like that. If you're the only opener, well, but... Well, Kat, you know what? I'll send them an email. Yeah, I'll, please. I'll do that. And put there. my name on there, too. Yeah, and tell them that Kat says. <laughs> so, and then you also open for uh, Al Stewart. That, um, I got to say, and I'm not being modest, I didn't deserve that spot. Wow. But I'm so glad I had it. Uh, it was a, uh, a sit-down show at uh, Coach House in San Juan Capistrano. And Love obviously they needed, like, they needed like an acoustic opener. So I was up there with my buddy Mike, and he did a little cajon, a little percussion for me. And um, the, I got to say the highlight of that show was just watching him play. Wow. Him and his guitar player, he has, um, his guitar player's name is escaping me right now, but just such a technical acoustic player, and him just with his whole catalog, it was just awesome. And it was really, such a great experience. He's really lasted over the years. I mean, I saw him many, many years ago, and he's still performing. It's incredible. Yeah, um, I got that uh, from Beth Venus, who uh, was the, the major domo of uh, Groove Kitty. And they were playing at the at the coach house a lot, and she suggested me as an opener, and I'll, I I thank her forever for that. And it was just a great experience; it really was. We were just at the coach house to see Immediate Family. If you're familiar, oh, right with on. Immediate... Is that the name of a band, or you were there to see like your uncle? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, my rich uncles, my my famous uncles, Immediate yeah, Family. Tom, you want to explain the media uh, family? Leland Sklar, who's probably the most renowned studio bass player ever. Oh, yeah. Uh, Waddy oh, yeah. Wachtel, Danny Cooch, Kuchmar, and Russ Kunkel. Wow. Some of the finest studio musicians you could ever dream of, of hearing. Are they doing Are they doing like a project now, or what yes, are they doing? Yes, they're, they're a group. Oh, wow. I'll send you That's the link. Cool. You should, you'd, my photos are on uh, on my Facebook page. I'll have to send you that. You should have seen it. It was a, absolutely incredible. And they're coming out with a documentary, which we can't wait to see. 
Oh, nice. The, the only, I got to say, the only bad part about being a full-time musician is you rarely get out to see other people play. Right. Because yeah. especially those primo nights, like, you know, Friday, Saturday, you're, you're, you're obviously working. Yeah, you know? you're working. I know that bit when I was managing a couple of bands and um, wanted to go check out others. I couldn't. I was always stuck with the one I was with to, before I could go check out some Love other ones. Love the one you're with. Love the one you're oh, with. Oh, yeah. Love the one you're with. <laughs> exactly. So, anyway, Jason, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to talk with us. And Thank you, Jason. Guys, it was my pleasure. On a, as, a, as a quick aside, I know somebody who does some really good mustards. <laughs> hey, me too. What's, what's her name? What's me her too, name? me too, me too. Sassy Mama is her name. <laughs> there, there it is. There it is. Sassy uh, thank Mama. you. I appreciate that. Hell yeah. Thank Hell you. yeah. Happy New Year, Jason. You guys too. Happy New Year. Great talking to you. Great show. Thank you so much. Way 
waves down a passing car Another new lie here Oh, sweet Jane Whisper that it isn't too late, baby Or do you lay your head tonight? Close your eyes I will find you out there Listening to Chords, Vines, and Dines, and that was our guest Jason Mann, and it's called Sweet Sweet Jane. Sweet Jane. This is a fun show this week. We always have fun shows, but this one just seemed totally exceptional. Yeah. Thanks again to Eileen St. Lauren, who uh, visited with us from Chapel Hill, North Carolina. And again, I'm going to highly recommend you uh, go out and get her book, Good Life, Mississippi. And check out Jason Mann Music. Yes, indeed. M-A-N-N, Jason Mann. And what we got next, Tom? Next, we're going to talk with Kate Rounds, the author of Cat Boat Road. We'll be uh, visiting with her. I think she's in Massachusetts, and she does not have any cats. Her book is just called Cat Boat Road. Oh, okay. That sounds fine. So we have some interesting stuff coming up in the, uh, or that has come up in the music business. Um, well, we lost Lisa Marie Presley this week mm-hmm. at 54. Just and Jeff she, Beck. Jeff Beck died. Mm-hmm. And Randy Bachman from Bachman yes. Turner Overdrive. So there's the three. You know, they say they come in threes. and they Boy, went. they just boom, boom, boom this week. Yep. So very sad. Speaking of Lisa Marie, uh, did either of you get a chance to see the movie Elvis? Yes, I did. I haven't yet. Uh, I was blown away i think we talked we touched on this briefly but i think uh the kid who played elvis well he won best actor at the golden globes no i, think that's I believe it I, I, they were all very very happy and and honestly from being sort of on the backside of of uh the music business it's rare that the family members are super right. happy with a presentation of their loved one and the Presleys were ecstatic about Lisa this. Lisa Marie and, and uh, Priscilla were both there. And just a couple of days later, we, we lost Lisa. Uh, interesting story about her dad. And um, Elvis was in many ways larger than life. And a lot of people don't know that I Will Always Love You was written by Dolly Parton. Because they associate that song with Whitney Houston. Dolly Parton wrote that song and she's she is a brilliant songwriter Uh, i have the highest regard for dolly elvis's team reached out to dolly and said elvis would like to record i will always love you she said okay that's fine and he wants songwriting credits on it she said no absolutely not i do not give up my song i I wrote that song it's mine and i'm not giving up any credits yeah if he was Elvis, elvis presley did not ever record that song and that's why yeah, she was so excited that Elvis was going to do her song, yep. and then uh, Smart Dolly, who I have, uh, oh. Dolly is, is is loved by everyone. And everyone. she's such a smart businesswoman. And she is she's brilliant. Smart. Oh, she is, and she's so cute, a yeah, bubbly I personality. Just her. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, she was on with uh, 
Jimmy Fallon, I think, uh, a few weeks ago, or it might have been a few months ago. The, the story she told is so funny. I won't get into it now, but uh, it, it's really, if you look up Dolly Parton, Jimmy Fallon, You'll, you'll find the video. It's very cute. She's so quick. Quick-witted. All right. We're going to wrap up the show with a taste test today. Okay. So I'm going to quiz you. Uh, I'm going to give you a choice of categories. People and pop pop culture or cooking tools and techniques. Oh, jeez. <laughs> go ahead and pick, Kat, because you know if you go cooking, you're going to you're going to have me no, over a I barrel am, again. I, I'm already stumped. What, what was the first category? People and pop culture or cooking tools and techniques. People and pop culture? Yes. In food? Oh, God, I don't know who's in food. Um, how about oh, techniques? Let's go with techniques. Okay, cooking tools and techniques. And the question is... I'm beat. Whipping egg whites in a bowl made of this metal will improve the loft and stability of your souffles and meringues. The choices are A, copper, B, stainless steel, C, tin, or D, Teflon. Steel. Copper. The answer is copper. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> See, ding, I told ding. you, I yeah. told you, I told you. <laughs> so anyway. That was a guess. It's a, it's, a, it's a card game uh, called Taste Test, and I think it's a lot of fun. So we'll keep our uh, cooking tips and techniques for another show. Um, one yeah. last thing, though. I do want to uh, give our our prayers in, to the family of the uh, officer oh, that was killed geez. last night out in uh, Lake Elsinore. This has got to stop. Uh, Deputy Daryl Calhoun. Yes, our prayers uh, are with his family. Killed in the line of yeah. duty yesterday. No real details coming out as to what happened. But um, anyway, my... Our prayers and condolences to his family and Absolutely. friends and to all of us. Yes. And I think that brings us to our quote of the day, which is, life is short. Take the trip, buy the shoes, eat the cake, and drink the wine. Amen. Amen to that. Well, thank you. We'll see you next week. Thanks yes. for listening. We got a wrap. Hi, this is John Lane, writer and performer of the theme song, and you're listening to Chords and Vines. In the valley of Temecula, under skies of blue, vineyards sprawl on rolling hills, kissed by the morning dew. People come from near and far to gather for a taste. A tour and a local band made for a special place. Chords and vines, songs and wine, the bottle and a tune. Chords and vines, songs and wines, a perfect pair for you.